Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, while investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal is not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, glad you're with us. We are in that sewer, in that swamp. We're in Washington, D.C., and right down our toll-free telephone number, you want to be a part of this extravaganza. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us. we got a lot coming up in the course of the program. We have Freedom Caucus members. Uh, Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan will be here. Rand Paul is going to stop by. Um, I thought the president did something amazing last night I want to share with you. We've got the Debbie Wasserman Schultz issue that we have been telling you about and few others have been willing to tell you about and uh, so much more. There's just a lot happening today. Now, it is expected the repeal vote begins on a half hour. This is the 2015 bill. The Senate initially delayed the proposal last night. The larger bill was passed. Uh, I'm sorry, failed as uh, as we kind of expected that would would 5743. What you're going to see over the next number of days is a series of votes and votes and votes and votes and votes and votes. And and it's going to be very hard for you to keep up with it. But 
This is, to me, a a big one, and it's not going to pass in all likelihood. And this is what Senator Rand Paul had wanted. And they're giving the clean 2015 bill a a chance, which I like. And John Cornyn said senators wanted more time to work on other procedural issues, which is why it got delayed to, you know, a half hour from right now. And asked if it was tied to abortion language. He said, I believe so. Uh, Democrats expected to use the Senate rulebook to try and strip out a provision in the repeal amendment that included restrictions on using tax credits to buy insurance that covers abortions. The repeal-only amendment would also cut off federal funding of Planned Parenthood. I'd be very happy with the repeal-only transition plan, which is repeal now, transition over two years, get it done by 2018, make it a big election issue. I think it would be great for the Republicans politically, but... We have a problem in paradise because I don't think the Republican Party has an identity anymore. I really don't. And it's sad that that three or four people can hold this party hostage the way they are when the rest of the party. You want to be a part of the party? Sometimes you got to suck it up a little bit. And when everybody in your party promises to repeal the worst bill with the biggest lies told, You know, I think you have some obligation in some way, shape, matter or form to support your colleagues in that front. Doesn't mean this is over, but I'm just warning you now how this is going to turn out. Now, I'll give Susan Collins, who I'm not that fond of, a, a pass because at least she's consistent. She voted no on the 2015 repeal bill. I got to give Jerry Moran of Kansas some credit because Jerry Moran of Kansas was a no vote and against repeal again, and now he's he's going to re- vote to repeal it. Um, but the people that I, I think we're less likely to get and the, are the very same people we've been talking about, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Portman of Ohio, Capito of West Virginia, and Heller of Nevada. And this is where the identity issue for the Republican Party comes in. What do they want to do? What what kind of party do they want to be? What what are their belief systems? What do they believe in? They're supposed to be a party of limited government, greater freedom, choice and responsibility society. They're supposed to be a party that believes in the free markets and capitalism. And this is, I think, probably the most frustrating thing to me. You know, when you have Murkowski and Capito and Heller and Portman and they all voted to repeal and 2015 and they voted yes in 2015 i mean it is unbelievable to me that they're going to hold the rest of the party hostage but you know and this is the the point that i've been making a long time now that you've got five forces working against the president i'll get into this later but i've i've had a lot of very productive meetings in dc that i'm not able to tell you about now and but i can tell you i i will leave here later tonight after hannity optimistic that the deep state is in more trouble than tick, 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 tick trouble than they ever dreamed of. And they thought they were so clever and so smart, and it's not true. And I can tell you that that force, coupled with the Democrats that have from day one couldn't believe they lost, and they made up this whole Russia thing as a means of justifying their incompetence and Hillary's incompetence, and they have no ideas, and they're the obstructionist party. They don't care about the American people getting off of food stamps and out of poverty and back to work and buying homes. I don't hear anything out of them except they came up with a new slogan this week, a better way. A better way of what? You had eight years and you destroyed everything and doubled the debt in the process. 
So it's a, oh, a better deal, better way, better deal. It's still a slogan. It's a bumper sticker. It doesn't mean anything. They're not offering solutions to help all those Americans still suffering. In spite of all of this, the president, and I pointed it out last night, he pointed it out in his speech. He has a list of accomplishments a mile long. And all the media today can focus on is transgender. He put out a transgender military tweet today. Okay, I, you know what? I'm, I'm worried about feeding our families. I'm securing our borders, stopping ISIS right now. All right, the president, by the way, is speaking in the Rose Garden. Let's dip in. On all you've achieved at a very young age, it's incredible. For decades, the American Legion has brought the best and the brightest to the White House. This has taken place for many years. This is a really Each cool thing. Let me tell you what's happening. I'm not going to stay with this because we have just too much news to cover today. But the, but because the president speaking to American Legion Boys Nation and American Legion Auxiliary Girls Nation, and you got these you know young adults in the White House. They're clapping now for the president. They look great. Um, they're all all the girls address the same. All the boys address the same. President looks like he's in a great mood. Look, this isn't going to be the end of this. But do they want to be the party of energy independence? Do they want to be the party that takes on radical Islam and defeats it and identifies it? Do they want to be the party that secures our borders? Do they want to be the party that cuts taxes and ends burdensome regulation? Do they want to be the party of capitalism? Do they want to be the party of small business? Do they want to be the party that helps people buy their first homes? Do they want to be the party that helps people get out of poverty and government assistance and back to work and off of food stamps and and helping them with a, a hand up and a ladder to success and a freedom opportunity society? Because I don't see that identity. I don't see health care. We've been talking about since 2012 that these cooperatives of Dr. Umber. I'm beginning to feel I've wasted this poor man's time by putting him on the air these five years. Although we'll, we'll get back to that. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, do they want to, where were the solutions? You know what I'm watching today in the Senate? I am watching the let's take some toilet paper. Let's wet it down. Let's throw all the wet toilet paper up against the wall. Let's see what sticks party. Not a party that's rooted in principle, laying out a vision for health savings accounts that offers a better way to solve the health care crisis in America than what Obamacare ever offered and never delivered on. You know, I don't see him as the party that offers concierge care like Dr. Umber in Wichita, Kansas, at 50 bucks a month for an adult and 10 bucks a month for a kid, coupled with a catastrophic plan, which results in all the health care you'd ever need in your entire life um, and service that you, you could never even have dreamed of. You know, I mean, all of this is what frustrates me. Because they, there are better ideas. I can't tell you. Oh, well over a decade ago, I read Musgrave and Goodman and and patient power about health savings accounts. I don't see anything here that that allows for health savings accounts, health cooperatives. I know Dr. Umber's been down there many times, but I don't see anything here that says, wow, that is an idea we should all get behind because we're going to have better health care, more choices, lower premiums for the American people. And that's what's missing in all this, even the repeal vote. And they've had seven years to do it. So it's going to then end up with the, quote, skinny bill, and then we're going to end up, well, okay, we'll repeal the mandate, the individual mandate, the employer mandate. We'll scrap the medical device tax, and then the House and Senate lawmakers will go to conference, and then they'll fight it out there. Then they have to send it back to both bodies, and let's, let's quickly move on to the economy. And I don't even know if we get consensus on cutting taxes. They're so lacking in identity. 
I'm not going to give up the fight, nor should you give up the fight. But it's we've learned a lot in this health care debate. We learned there's 100 House Republicans that had no intention of ever repealing and replacing. And what I told you at the time that these were show votes so that they can go back to their districts and say, I voted to repeal and replace because they knew it never would be repealed and replaced. And when the moment of truth came, if they wanted to make it happen, they would have used their power of the purse and they didn't do it. So we'll we'll watch this carefully throughout the day. We'll check in with Rand Paul and Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan. And then we're going to get into a major unmasking scandal and a major personal liberty issue and spying scandal on the American people. We'll get to all of that with uh, John Solomon of The Hill, who's going to be joining us. So we got an interesting time coming up here. Um, but those are the people you're going to be watching, you know, throughout the day. I'm just telling you which way it's going to go. Um, and I'm not doing it to be in any way negative. We're going to get some good things in the end out of this, but it's not what we want. And it's frustrating. And they have in many ways just outright failed us. And they're lacking vision. They're lacking solutions. They're lacking answers. They're not a thinking party anymore. They're a party lacking identity. And they're, you know, the person that's trying to lead them to sensible, good politics and policies is the president right now because he stands for something. They stand for nothing. And so that is that is where we stand at this hour. And that's what's happening as we speak. And that's what's going on in the, the Senate as this all begins to evolve here. Uh I want to just get into a little bit of Debbie Wasserman Schultz and this whole computer issue, because I think this is probably the biggest scandal we're that that we're now witnessing that um, it is so like what we have seen from the Democratic Party with Hillary Clinton. And it's amazing how similar they are. And it's also amazing that very few in the press who have been following Russia, 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 actually even seem to in any way care about it but it involves everything that we have been telling you now the last number of days and that is that debbie wasserman schultz kept on her payroll you know people that had no business being on her payroll and debbie wasserman schultz has an it guy that ends up smashing and destroying hard drives now how familiar does that sound can you print out last night say uh b block why did Debbie Wasserman Schultz keep this guy on? And I want to know why does why the Democratic Party has an identity right now. You know what their identity is? And it's something that Donald Trump, his campaign and his administration have never done. They've never deleted 33,000 subpoenaed emails that they've never done. They've never used bleach bit to cover up the emails that they deleted that we know were classified top secret and special access program information because even James Comey acknowledged that in part that is what happened there and that is a a pretty disgraceful this IT aide arrested at the airport transferring 300 grand to Pakistan from his office pretty unbelievable the other thing that that Trump never did never took a hammer his campaign never took a hammer to break up Blackberries and to break break up iPhones, and they never took apparently a hammer and to break up the computers. Unbelievable! All right, eight hundred nine four one. Sean is the toll free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. As we continue from the swamp. 
Covert operative Mitch Rapp is ready for anything, but this time the enemy is ready for him. Read Order to Kill, the explosive new novel in Vince Flynn's number one New York Times bestselling Mitch Rapp series. Because of unscrupulous members of the Pakistani Secret Service, Rapp finds himself chasing false leads in an effort to keep Pakistani nukes from falling into the hands of terrorists. Soon, it becomes alarmingly clear that the forces in Moscow are bent on fomenting even more chaos and turmoil in the Middle East, and Rapp must go deep into Iraqi territory, posing as an American ISIS recruit. There, he uncovers a plan more dangerous and insidious than he ever expected, one that could have far-reaching and catastrophic consequences. Written with the same relentless action as Vince Flynn's greatest novels, Mitch Rapp's latest adventure is as timely and provocative as ever. Order to Kill, a Mitch Rapp novel by Kyle Mills, is now in paperback wherever books are sold. As we continue, Sean Hannity Show, we're in the swamp. All right, the debate over the 2015 bill beginning, and uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Rand Paul not expected to pass. Then we are going to move on to what they are now calling the skinny health care bill repeal. Senator Rand Paul, Mark Meadows, Jim Jordan will all be talking about it. We have violations of your civil liberties that are exposed and more unmasking and more surveillance than you ever thought of. You have no privacy in this country because your government is literally spying on you every second of every day, and it's it's pretty despicable. And the fact that we've done nothing about it is even beyond despicable, and I can't even believe we find ourselves in this situation. I want to just say this about Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You know, I said this last night. Could it be that the woman that got fired on the eve of the convention became a big story on Mediaite? Just told by Fox PR that fake news, CNN wants a comment. All right, I wrote, wrote him a comment. You know, the same network that colluded with Hillary, that one. So just like Hillary bleached bit, deleted emails, smashed and hammered iPhones and Blackberries, and then sent over without SIM cards, Blackberries that had been under subpoena. All those things were under subpoena. That's called obstruction of justice. You got Debbie Wasserman Schultz's longtime IT guy. He smashed hard drives became the target of a political probe. And Capitol Police, he was banned from the House network, but she kept him on and wouldn't fire him. Remember the incident she had with the cops over her laptop? And then Capitol Police confiscated a laptop used by this guy, found hidden in a, in a vacant House office, but instead of helping them find and punish the hackers, Schultz, that Wasserman Schultz, desperately tried to get it back, saying there'll be consequences. Well, House IT guys can read all emails and files on their boss's uh, systems. And four of this guy's relatives, two friends, appeared on House payroll like chief of staff salaries adding up to $4 million. Some appear to be, according to the Daily Caller, ghost employee employees. And while they had access to members' emails, they ran a car dealership, one worked at McDonald's, and competing IT companies told the members employing this guy could, you know, they could provide a better service for a third of the price. And Democrats, well, it must have been a misunderstanding. This guy tries to leave the country after funneling, what, $300,000 to Pakistan. Really? And why did she threaten the police chief? So I said, well, maybe it's because on the maybe there's evidence of the collusion that we know occurred to rig the election against Bernie Sanders. Well, that is a conspiracy. Th- I'm asking a question, you idiots. All right, we have more Hannity straight ahead. 
All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN is our number as now the 2015 repeal uh, vote, which is what conservatives wanted. Now, people like Rand Paul, others didn't like the bill last night. I think it was, what, 57-43. As I told you in the last hour, it's pretty predictable which way this goes, even though Jerry Moran of Kansas is definitely going to vote for full repeal. He was on the fence there for a while. Susan Collins is the only one consistently. She voted back in 2015, um, voted no on the repeal vote. And then you've got Rob Portman, Murkowski, Capito, uh, Capito, rather, and Dean Heller. And so, you know, pretty predictably. And then let me explain what's going to happen there. There's going to be beyond that, you know, and I I know it's frustrating. I know it's you're like, wait a minute. This is what you all voted for. And I've been using the term that just a few people can keep can keep every other Republican from from keeping their promises. And, And I guess that's what makes it the more frustrating is because, you know, at the end of the day, the people that are preventing it from happening, the people that voted the same way. And that, to me, is the most frustrating. How does Murkowski, uh, Capito, and, and Heller and Portman, how do they justify this position now to their voters? And how do they justify it to their colleagues? It's, it's beyond frustrating. And, um, but then you're going to move beyond that. And then it's not going to end. And then we're going to have the the skinny bill. That's then they're going to do it incrementally. Then they're going to repeal the individual mandate. That'll be a vote. Then they're going to vote against the employer mandate. Then they're going to vote to scrap the medical device tax. Then they're going to the House and Senate lawmakers at some point are going to go to conference. Then at some point there's going to be a fight in Congress in conference. And then it's going to from conference. So this isn't the end today as it has been presented, I know, to so many people. But, yeah, it's frustrating. The whole thing is frustrating. It's nearly August, and this is their big legislative agenda item at this point, when so much more could be done than what they are, in fact, doing. One of the things that I liked about what the president did in Youngstown, Ohio, last night is the president, and I'm sort of torn about this in many, many ways, the president went on offense and Not only did he talk about his agenda items and all the things that we've been playing and talking about and repealing health care and building the wall and and staying positive and focused and also attacking the abusively biased news media in the country. You know, the president rightly saying any senator against the against this replacement or repealing of this means they're fine with the Obamacare nightmare. And that's exactly what it is, because this is part of a process you know, sometimes in politics, yeah, I'll, I'll concede it's ugly. And I guess if you watch the making of sausage, you're probably not going to eat the sausage. But I still like sausage. And I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's the same thing we saw in the House. I am not as disappointed, I guess, now because I just accepted that Republicans are weak, visionless, spineless, incompetent. And they don't have the courage of their convictions to actually take advantage of of what is a generational opportunity and lead and and actually do profound things and deeply profound things. You know what it comes down to? It really comes down to the Republican Party doesn't have its identity. It's And their identity should be very crystal clear. And that's why I don't even understand Republican opposition and never Trumper opposition uh, to the president, because I'm like, OK, well, do you agree that he wants to put originalists on the Supreme Court? And if you ask every never-Trumper, they're going to say, yeah, that's a good idea. And if you ask every Republican, they'll, they'll tell you it's a good idea. 
And look at what they did. They put Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. Now, I can. I'll give a certain amount of slack to never Trumpers or to Republicans that thought, well, the guy lived in New York and he didn't exactly show himself to be a conservative all of those years in New York. Okay, so you had your doubts and you supported other people. But then you had a choice between him and Hillary Clinton. And at least you have the promise of an originalist versus nothing but a leftist activist from the Supreme Court. And that didn't happen because the American people were smart enough to see through this. And Donald Trump went out there, and I can understand on every other issue, if the Republican Party wants an identity, do you believe in originalism? Do you believe in the Constitution? I'm asking the question recently, do you believe in equal justice under the law? And if you do, then you can't be calling before Congress Jared Kushner and Don Jr. and others and and not be thinking the same thing about Ukraine and their attempts to influence the election. In that case, it's against Donald Trump and for Hillary Clinton or the meeting with a paid DNC operative and a meeting with the Ukrainian ambassador at the Ukrainian embassy. And then, of course, information Politico says was passed on to the DNC and and passed on to the Clinton campaign. So you can't bring in only the Trump people and you can't say collusion is bad only with Russia and and not say it's bad about Ukraine. You can't say that Russia's our enemy and then justify the Uranium One deal, which allowed up to 20 percent of America's uranium to go to Vladimir Putin in Russia. And you can't say that it certainly doesn't look beyond suspicious or like pay to play or like bribery or like, you know, a total corruption when 145 plus million is kicked back into the Clinton Foundation. And if the Clintons don't like what I'm saying, I dare them to sue me. I'd love to be sued. I'd love to get you under discovery. I'd hire a battery of attorneys, and I know exactly what you don't want to come out, which is exactly why you wouldn't do it. Please do it. I'm begging you. Hillary, sue me. I'm Bill Clinton. Sue me. Clinton Foundation, sue me. I'll, I'll, I'll put all of you under discovery. It'll be a great opportunity for the country. So the president now, he goes out there, and he literally re-energizes everybody. He talks about building the wall. Talks about national security, talks about judges, talks about tax cuts, talks about repeal, replace. And the crowd goes nuts. He He's able to, and it tells me that, yeah, while I want the Republicans to do their job and I want equal justice under the law, when, at the end of the day, I think the president is going to be judged and every Republican is going to be judged on one thing and one thing only. And that's whether or not they kept their promise, well, two things, whether they kept their promises and improved the country and whether or not we have more people in jobs, more people buying homes, more people out of poverty off of food stamps, as I kept saying during the election year. Now, I want to go back to, if I can here, because I think this is probably the most dominant issue that the media is ignoring, and a great shout out to our friends at The Daily Caller. I mean... You, you've, you've got such corruption out there that I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to the, all the things we've been. And you start with the ar- arrest with Debbie Wasserman Schultz's IT staffer who was trying to flee the country. And the Daily Caller, and we had the reporter on yesterday, is literally reported the FBI, what did they find? Smashed hard drives at the guy's home. And he's been charged with bank fraud for allegedly double billing House Democrats for computer equipment. And there's also concern about possible email hacking. Uh, Let me just be very clear. At no point during my tenure at the DNC was I contacted by the FBI, 
DHS or any government agency or alerted or made aware that they believed that the Russians, a, a, an enemy state, was intruding on our network. At no point, and I am a member of Congress who had the ability to sit down and be briefed in a classified setting. Even Director Comey testified publicly that he wished that he had gone to the top of the organization. We're one of the two national political parties. It is astounding that when they had a member of Congress who was leading that organization, that no one felt it was any more important when we had a foreign enemy intruding on one of the two political parties' networks to do anything more than lob a phone call in to our tech support through our main switchboard. But how can both That's be outrageous. true? I mean, Secretary Johnson says that the DNC rebuffed the help that they offered. You're saying that no one ever contacted Respectfully, you. <laughs> Respectfully, Secretary Johnson is, is, is utterly misinformed. That is simply not accurate. And much that has been, has been written about the timeline of events by the New York Times, the Washington Post, that document through multiple sources, including me, uh, that, uh, that the, the FBI and other federal agencies did virtually nothing to make sure that when they were aware at the point that they were aware that there was, or concerned that there was an intrusion on our network by the Russians, that they did virtually nothing to sound the alarm bells to make us aware of that. And they left, essentially, the Russians on our network for more than, for almost a year. Can you elaborate more on what the uh, DHS's uh, connection with the DNC was, or uh, consultation with the DNC was after you became aware of the hacking, and they became aware of the hacking? Uh, as to what was offered them, what they accepted. Was there any level of cooperation at all? Um, to my disappointment, not to my knowledge, sir. Um, and this is a question I asked repeatedly when I first learned of it. You know, what are we doing? Are we in there? Are we helping them discover the vulnerabilities? Because this was fresh off the OPM experience. And there was a point at which DHS cybersecurity experts did get into OPM and actually help them discover the bad actors and patch some of the exfiltrations or at least minimize some of the damage. And so I was anxious to know whether or not our folks were in there. And the response I got was FBI had spoken to them. Uh, they don't want our help. They have CrowdStrike, uh, the cybersecurity firm. And that was the answer I got after I asked the question a number of times over the progression of time. Now, that was, I assume, totally different from the reaction you got from OPM. Uh, the OPM effort, we were actually in there on site helping them uh, find the bad actors. Do you know who it was at the DNC who made that decision or who was making I don't. the resistance? No. no. Do you know if the FBI continued to try to help, try to assist? I have, uh, I've read in the New York Times about those efforts um, sometime earlier this year. Under my understanding, the Capitol Police is not able to confiscate members' equipment when the member is not under investigation. It is their equipment, and it's supposed to be returned. Well, I think there's extenuating circumstances in this case, and I think, I think that, you know, working through my counsel and, you know, the necessary personnel, if, if that, in fact, is the case, and with the permission of, through the investigation, then we'll return the equipment. But until that's accomplished, I can't return the equipment. I think you're violating the rules when you when you conduct your business that way, and should expect that there would be consequences. And then when you look just a little bit deeper beyond that, there are a lot of other questions that need answers, like who was being paid, who was on the payroll, why were they being paid so much money? I mean, being paid as much as those people that. 
that are chiefs of staff in Washington, D.C. You know, so the FBI seizes the smashed hard drives from the home of this guy, Imran Awan, and, and that's our longtime IT guy, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. He's the target of this criminal probe by the Capitol Police and FBI. Politico called it serious and potentially illegal violations of the House IT network. He's banned from the House network when it was announced in February. But Wasserman Schultz kept the guy on, didn't fire him. Why didn't she fire him? And Capitol Police have separately confiscated a laptop that he used that was found hidden in a vacant House office. Why is all of this? And then the salaries adding up to $4 million dollars. You know, to relatives and and friends. Well, it sounds just like Hillary, doesn't it? Deleting uh, emails, bleach pit, smashing with hammers. Really? No SIM cards. Doesn't that sound familiar? All right, as we continue, and uh, the Senate and their incompetence is on full display. You know what I'm calling this? I'm calling this forget about our principles. Let's not be the party of energy independence and securing the border and national security. And let's not be the party of prosperity and tax cuts and and businesses and getting rid of burdensome regulation. No, let's be the party of after seven years of promises, let's take a bunch of toilet paper. Let's wrap it up in the little balls and let's throw it up against the wall and see if that bill passes. Now let's throw this ball up. Now let's throw this ball up there. Let's well, we'll now break it up into the skinny bill and we'll just do one little baby ball at a time because we were ill prepared to lead in the moment that we had so desperately asked for for years. That's pretty much everything that you're witnessing. You know, from the very beginning of this, Rand Paul said that we just ought to vote again on the repeal bill, which he, which he's getting now, which is a good thing as the Senate Republicans and others stopped this monstrosity that they were putting together last night. And so everything that I kind of predicted is has happened is happening. I don't know how people that voted in 2015 justify what it is that they're doing today in light of what they did in 2015. How do you justify that in Ohio? How do you justify that in West Virginia or Alaska or Nevada? I, I for the life of me, I have a hard time understanding how just a few people can hold hostage the entire Republican Party and the President of the United States in the number one promise that they have made over the course of seven years to get the House, the Senate, and to get the presidency. And if they don't fix it and they don't do it, then they can only blame themselves. All right, we'll take a break. Rand Paul, when we come back here on The Sean Hannity Show. All right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. And as predicted, as we've been saying, you got, you know, three, four people that apparently forgot and forgetting that it, they voted to repeal Obamacare. We went through the same thing in the House. You know, there was, at the time we warned you, we told you, I was very upfront with people. All the times Republicans in the House, the Senate would vote to repeal, replace Obamacare, over 60 of those votes, and the 2015 vote was the culmination of all of that, really what I would call and what I said they were, show votes. Now, there was one attempt, and the reason we knew they were show votes is because the Congress has the constitutional authority and the power of the purse. And if they ever really wanted to take a stand, united as a party, they had the power to do it all along. And the one time... 
somebody did, supported by our next guest in a pretty major way. It was when Ted Cruz did his filibuster. And that was, if you remember, it was about defunding Obamacare. It was about using that constitutional authority. And there was such a backlash that Ted Cruz was the embodiment of evil, that this is outrageous, this could never work, it's never going to happen. Well, it always would have worked had everybody united around the very things that they had promised people. And so at the time, I knew it was a show vote. Then in the House, we learned that there were at least... 100-plus Republican congressmen that never had any intention of repealing and replacing Obamacare. It's a huge disappointment in that sense that they say things they don't believe, but, you know, they're going to have to live with their own votes in their own states. And, you know, as we were pointing out earlier today, you know, people like Murkowski and Capito and others that, you know, you just sit there. The only one who's consistent on it, to her credit, in that sense, is Susan Collins. Rand Paul has been at the forefront. He was the one that wanted the repeal and transition bill all along from the very get-go. You said, let's just do what we did back in 2015. Remember, you were on this program saying it. Yeah, and the thing is, is conservatives at least got a victory in the sense that they didn't, they didn't force the bill down our throat that had nearly $300 billion in insurance subsidies. The Senate leadership bill that we voted on yesterday and the conservatives defeated was basically horrendous. Nearly $300 billion in subsidies to insurance companies, they threw the kitchen sink at it. And so we did defeat that, and we also were able to use our leverage to say we would only vote to go on the bill if they gave us a shot at clean repeal. So the problem we have with clean repeal is we've got three or four Republicans who forget that they uh, had promised to repeal Obamacare, and now they, they aren't for that anymore. And so I don't know of a greater disappointment to me than that we ran four elections on this. We promised the voters repeal, and now we have some people getting cold feet. And I guess that is a great disappointment to me because – even if you say, well, gosh, we need to work in committee with the Democrats, we need a bipartisan approach to this, no Democrat's going to do anything till it's repealed. There is no impetus, there is no momentum to do anything bipartisan unless you repeal it. So the fact that we're not going to get the full repeal, I hope we get a partial repeal, but um, this is a real problem. If we do nothing, the Democrats aren't going to negotiate. They'll only negotiate when you take some of the goodies away from them. Well, I know that. And so all right, let, let's talk about and I know there's going to be a series of votes and it's going to be a, a vote-a-thon, I guess, now for however many days. And let's talk about what is going to get done and how happy you will be to do it and where we go from here in the end. And, and tell us what you'd like to see and how people can help you. We know, like I say, a victory for conservatives that we got a vote on a clean repeal. It was only a partial repeal. And now the next stage will be a partial partial repeal, uh, which will still be better than nothing. The rumors are that it might include getting rid of the individual mandate, getting rid of the employer mandate, and getting rid of a few taxes. And that's about it. But I'll still vote for that. I mean, I'm going to repeal any of Obamacare. I'm for 100% repeal. But if all we get is 25% repeal, uh, you know, the blame for that falls on the Republicans who wouldn't vote for a complete repeal. But in my sense, that is my compromise. People say, well, you won't compromise. I said, sure I will. I want 100% repeal, but I'm going to vote for any permutation of repeal to try to get rid of – you know, a product, Obamacare, that really takes your freedom away and says we're going to fine you if you don't buy the insurance that government tells you to buy. 
Well, I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, so there's going to be improvements. Do you see, you and I have spent a lot of time, I first put on this program, as you know, um, Dr. Josh Umber, and, and I like the fact that you were very receptive to him and re- very receptive to the idea that, wow, for 50 bucks a month you get unlimited care and 24 access to your doctor. I mean, that's the type of, quote, concierge care that we hear that the wealthy always have in, in their lives. And, and they've been able to create a model where everybody in Wichita, Kansas, gets that. And, and that model has now been duplicated hundreds of times over the, over the course of the country with the help of Dr. Umber. And, and other people have created similar models. And then you have the inexpensive, which under Obamacare was the illegal catastrophic care, which takes care of the, the really scary things that might happen in your life, life, like a heart attack or cancer or a bad accident. Um, is, is there a way now that the real solutions can come up or, and health savings accounts on top of it? Here's the problem. You know, the freedom to buy an inexpensive policy that covers catastrophes so you can get less expensive insurance uh, is not going to be possible unless you get rid of all of Obamacare. Now, the arcane Senate rules that only allow us to do certain things under the budget rules with a simple majority, they've ruled against us on every one of these. They say the Obamacare regulations will take 60 votes to repeal. So we don't have one Democrat who's interested in repealing not only one Obamacare regulation, they're not interested in repealing any regulations. So we've got you know most of the Republicans on board, but we don't have any Democrats. So right now, the Obamacare regulations that forbid the purchase of inexpensive catastrophic insurance will remain in place no matter what we do, because it's going to take 60 votes to repeal those. And it is disappointing. The only way we could have changed that is if we had the courage to put the vice president in the Senate leadership chair, the chair at the front of the body, and get him to rule that these things were in order. That's what I favored, and several other conservatives favored that as well. Has anybody talked to the vice president about it? Well, I think it would have to come from – it would have to be unanimous from our leadership. It's not something that can be done with 12 Republicans deciding they want to do it. It takes all 52 of us because you would have to uh, muscle it through and invite the vice president to sit up there. And basically that is something that takes an overwhelming majority of your caucus to get done. And when we've discussed it, there has not been consensus that, that that it should be done, although I think my frustration with Obamacare is such that I would have voted to say, you know what, I think it's just time to get rid of Obamacare. And if it takes putting the vice president in the chair, I'd have to vote for it. There's a lot of people like me that are angry with the House and Senate. And, you know, I have some friends in in D.C., a lot of people. And and I'll give you some examples. I mean, that behind closed doors, there are some House members, there are some Senate members that actually trash the president and openly speak that they don't want him to succeed. Have you ever heard of anybody that you know of in the Senate, in the House, that talks this way? You know, I think it's actually less so. I think the president is gathering more and more support among Republicans over time. And I think, for example, not everybody agrees with every statement the president makes, but I think they've seen the good. I mean, they've seen, you know, getting a Supreme Court justice like Gorsuch, that comes along once in a lifetime if you're lucky. And so that is a huge deal, repealing, you know, $60 billion worth of regulations in the first month. So for all of our disagreements on Obamacare, which are deeply disappointing to me, the fact that we got Gorsuch and then we got regulatory repeal and that the president's put forward a real tax cut. I mean, these are all good things. These are the the holy grail that conservatives have been looking for for a long time. We've got a cabinet that's more conservative than Ronald Reagan's. So from a conservative point of view, I tell people, look, the president has exceeded my expectations. 
How is your relationship now with the president and how involved is he in all that's going on in the Senate over health care? You know, very involved. I've probably talked to him a half a dozen times in the last three weeks. Um, and his influence on the process, I think, was helpful, uh, both influence with talking to individual members like myself, but then also relaying the message back to leadership that if you want Paul's vote, you're going to have to negotiate with him. And so I think it's been helpful to have him involved in it. He understands that he and I don't always agree and that I have an independent viewpoint. But uh, I also, you know, want to support a Republican president. I want to support uh, the Trump presidency and, and try to whenever we agree. And, but I think he also understands strength of character in individuals who have a principle disagree with him, uh, disagreement with him. And so I think that's where we are. And I think we have a, we're probably in a good place. So when you look overall, I think that there's going to be a price to pay for Republicans that didn't keep their promise. And there's going to be a price to pay, I think, overall for the Republican Party. There already is a feeling that, you know what, these people are useless. I mean, it's, you know, it's nearly August now and they're working on health care. It's kind of pathetic. And then we've got a then we've got a middle class tax cuts to get to. And then we've got the president's corporate tax rate. He wants a 15 percent. And then he wants, of course, repatriation at a low rate of multinational corporation, trillions of dollars parked overseas. Then he wants money to fund the wall that he wants built. And Um, none of these things have happened. Do you think do you imagine all of those things will be difficult? Probably. And I guess what disappoints me most about the Republicans who said they were for repeal, voted for it, and then no longer are, is that they've sort of forgotten. They they think this is about actuarial tables and insurance and all this stuff. No, this is about freedom. This is about whether we as Americans should be free to buy what kind of insurance we want, what's best for us and our families. And it's about whether the individual knows best or government knows best. Are we too stupid that President Obama has to tell us what kind of insurance? Does he think Americans are too dumb to make their own decisions? Are we going to give up our freedom and and say to the government, you decide what kind of insurance I get and what it covers? It's a freedom issue. It really isn't about actuarial tables. It isn't about all the ins and outs. We have always taken care of those who are sick in our country. We have never, ever turned anyone away. I'm a physician. I've operated in hospitals for 25 years. I have never, ever seen anyone turned away who needed care. All right. Senator Rand Paul, always appreciate it. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, your fight on this. You know, I remember saying to you the day you talked about, let's do the 2015 repeal. I said, that's a good idea. I don't know if you remember me saying that to you, but I did. We're still Um, trying. Thanks. Yeah, no, I got it. All right, well, we'll see what happens. And step by step, I guess it's going to be a little slower, a little less dramatic, and hopefully more effective and, yes, frustrating. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll get back to the phones when we come back. 800 941 is our number. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show, toll-free. Our telephone number is 800 941 You want to be a part of the program. We're watching the do-nothing Republicans and, of course, there, let's throw everything against the wall, paper towel strategy instead of standing on principles. Uh, we're following that to be Wasserman Schultz. Yeah, everybody smashes their hard drives and hides them and fights the police so desperately for their for their laptop back and is so outraged against police. Jeannie is in Florida. Jeannie, hi. How are you? We're glad you called. Um, I have a totally different view on this whole Russian scenario deal. Um, what I believe is that um, the common thread in all this is Obama. Uh, number one, him and Hillary did not have the best of relationships. Given that, the media loves Obama. 
all these people that are involved, be it Comey, um, Susan Rice, um, Debbie Washington Schultz. She was his pit bull when she was part of the Democratic uh, leadership there. Um, they all go back to Obama. All these holdovers that are in office are Obama people, not Hillary people. So for whatever reason, he protected Hillary on every little scenario that came up, be it Benghazi, be it the um, meeting on the tarmac with Loretta Lynch being involved, all these different things. What I would like to know is what does she have on him? Because he knew that Russia was trying to influence the election in some way, but he was not concerned because he felt Hillary would get in office. And whatever secrets that he may have would be hidden, and the American public would never find out about it. Well, I think... I think there's a lot that we're talking about here. I mean, there. Yeah, I think a lot of this is related back to Obama. I, I'm I'm more than certain. I'm almost a hundred and five percent sure that you know beyond you know Susan Powers, there's gonna be a lot of exposure to other people. Names that come to mind that I'm looking at are Ben Rhodes and. Other names that I'm looking at are, are, are Brennan from the CIA, and other names are like James Clapper. And whether or not people weaponize the intelligence community to set all of these deep state traps for Trump and unmasking of Americans. When you, when you look at the—and we'll get into this with, with John Solomon later—when you look at a 350 percent increase in the unmasking of Americans and you see— you know, all of these deep state leaks, intelligent leaks, it's selective leaks only against the president, designed to hurt the president, not in context because context because it's raw intelligence. You've got to assume here that only the top people are able to do that. I think by the time it's all said and done, the numbers of people that were involved and again, political people like you're bringing up here with ties to Obama involved in unmasking and leaking of intelligence is going to be massive. And the problem they are all going to have is this is all, these are all felonies. And to the extent that any of them may have involvement in this, they are going to ultimately be held accountable. Now, I'm sure in their arrogance, they probably assume that they would be able to duck and dodge and create enough chaos that people wouldn't be able to figure this all out. I'm telling you there are people that have figured it out. I'm telling you that there are people that understand this fundamentally and deeply and and are spending their entire lives getting answers to these problems. So that's what I'm thinking. All right, 800-941-SHAWN is our number. Here's what I know. Obamacare has caused all kinds of problems. Risen uh, price, uh, premium prices going up, deductibles going up. People can't afford, if they can afford the premiums, can't afford the deductibles. In a county I represent in the 4th District of Ohio, there are no plans offered in the exchange right now. I know what CBO first told us. They said there would be 21 million people on Obamacare today. There are nine. So that's what I know. Right, and that's but, what but, I'm you trying know to CBO. give relief okay, from. So, and then we so had, we had elections like, in 10, 14, yeah. and 16 about this very issue. Right, and now so, I'm saying... So 
So yeah, we do think premiums need to come down because they went up so much under Obamacare, three and four times what they were before but Obamacare. But that's, that's just not that's true. Important. That's just not true, Yes, it is true. No, that's just not true. I, I, you don't have these discussions, a, a, but they're not. A 27-year-old single person used to be able to get a, a, a policy for about 100 bucks a month. Today, that same individual is paying three, four hundred dollars a month. I, I'm this an economic journalist. I can't deal in macro numbers. I'm sure you know somebody for whom that happened, and I'm sure you know somebody for whom the premium went no, this up. Is this is talking to people who sell health insurance, who are in that business. They know what goes on because they're in that business. Go talk to them. But that's and just not true. I talk to them the whole it is true. It's just not true. It's not true. Yes, it is. So everything they told us turned out to be false. You've outlined a lot of things. That's not outlined. That's telling the truth. Those are the facts. Tomorrow, the Senate will vote on whether to allow this urgently needed bill to come to the Senate floor for debate. The question for every senator, Democrat or Republican, is whether they will side with Obamacare's architects, which have been so destructive to our country, or with its forgotten victims. Any senator who votes against starting debate is telling America that you are fine with the Obamacare nightmare, which is what it is. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. All right, Jim Jordan is battling, I guess, was it a CNN host or NBC, MS, MSNBC host over health care? You know, these fake news outlets are so freaking rude. And so, and on top of it, they're just not bright, not smart, and and seem to just never ask the simple questions. Hey, didn't you guys have a thrill up your leg about Obama and support the, oh, you'll keep your doctor, keep your plan, and save $2,500 a year? Um, so that's frustrating. And, of course, then we have the president saying that, yeah, okay, you don't vote to repeal it, then I guess you're fine with the Obamacare nightmare. Joining us now, House Freedom Caucus Chairman Mark Meadows of North Carolina, Jim Jordan, who had to endure that insanity. Why, why would you waste your time over there? I have no <laughs> idea. What were you thinking? Sometimes it's like a wrestling match, Sean. It's kind of fun every once in a while to go in there and do battle. And just like they, He was trying to make the argument that somehow Obamacare has helped on the, on the cost of premiums. I'm like, are you kidding? Go talk to people all across this country. So, yeah, sometimes you've got to do those things. Well, I mean, look, I, I don't mind. I know you're a former wrestler, and, and of course, I'm into martial arts, real fighting, yeah. real grappling, real punching, real black and blues, <laughs> uh, you know, real broken bones I've had, so uh, yeah, and real sure. stitches. So I get it, and, and we're in the same business. But, all right, so you, this is probably one of the most frustrating moments in my life. I remember a call, Congressman Meadows, with you when it first went down in the, in the House, and and I know that was a disappointing day for you. And then it ended up being weeks and weeks of nothing but nonstop work for you to get this over the finish line. What do you think of the idea of this skinny bill and, and piecemeal? Well, I think they need to stay in and, and get it done right, Sean. You, you, you know better than anybody how much uh, we've invested to get something to the president's desk. And the people don't understand why it wasn't there on January 20th. And uh, and we've got to make sure that we get in. Just like you, you're talking about my good friend Jim Jordan being a wrestler. We need to wrestle and grapple with it right now, and and we need to pin this and put it out of its misery because it's being miserable to the American people in terms of higher premiums, in terms of not being able to keep your doctor, and and yet here we are going to pass a skinny repeal 
which actually the president could have done most of that with his pen uh, or through executive order. Uh, we've got to do better than that, but it's frustrating. But I can tell you we're going to stay engaged. Uh, I know Jim and I are committed to do that, working with our Senate colleagues to hopefully get something better in the next 48 hours. You really think that's possible in, in light of what we're witnessing and watching unfold in the Senate? Well, I think it's possible. I think, you know, whether it's probable or not, you know, it's it's all about taking tough votes. But here's what's not a tough vote. And you just talked about that. Every one of us, except for one senator and, and everybody in the House, except for the freshmen, have voted for a straight repeal. Why don't we do the same thing and put it on the president's desk? I don't know how you go back, as you were saying, go back to Alaska and say, well, I voted for it then, but I'm not doing it now. So uh, they just need to hear from your listeners and and feel the pressure that they've got to actually do what they promised. It never hurts, as Jim Jordan says, it never hurts to do what you said you would do. Yeah, I mean, I actually think people reward politicians that keep their word, Congressman Jordan. Yeah, they, they, they certainly do. And what frustrates them is, oh, it was good enough to tell me when you wanted my vote at election time. It was good enough to do it when it didn't count and you knew President Obama was going to veto it. But now when it counts, now when the rubber meets the road, well, well, well you can't do it. Now, that, that drives voters crazy, drives uh, television uh, host and radio talk show hosts like Sean Hannity crazy, drives everyone crazy. So let's do what Mark said. Let's do what you said you would do. Let's do what they sent us here to do and stay in until we get the job done. Well, I think that's a good point, but uh, let me play for you both, John McCain. John McCain is not particularly fond of, of people like me, apparently, and on radio and cable TV. And John McCain thinks we're the reason for your failure in D.C. Not you guys, by the way. I, I, you, you are exempted as the only people in D.C. that I fully, completely have confidence in and trust. Here's what McCain said yesterday. I hope we can again rely on humility, on our need to cooperate on our dependence on each other, to learn how to trust each other again, and by so doing better, serve the people who elected us. Stop listening to the bombastic loudmouths on the radio and television and the Internet. To hell with them. They don't want anything done for the public good. Our incapacity is their livelihood. Well, their incapacity is not my life. You know what I've done on this program, Congressman Meadows? Since 2012, I've had on Dr. Josh Umber, who talks about $50 a month concierge care for the people of Wichita, Kansas, 24-hour access to their doctor. And if you couple that with a catastrophic plan for 150 bucks a month, you've got the best insurance and the best care you could ever dream of. I've talked about health savings accounts for 15 years of my life, uh, Musgrave and Goodman, Cato Institute. I've talked about the penny plan to balance the budget so we stop robbing our kids. I've talked about energy independence and partnered with energy companies to get Americans out of work jobs that are high-paying and career-oriented. Uh-huh. Well, I think the big key here, Sean, is this. As you've been putting forth those common sense uh, solutions over and over and over again, and we're not doing anything with those here on Capitol Hill. And so as long as there's dysfunction on Capitol Hill, will you make a living? Of course, because you're talking to you know that second shift worker that, that Jim Jordan always talks about or that second grade teacher that he talks about. You're talking directly to them, and they said – 
you know, what Sean's saying makes sense. Why mm-hmm. didn't my member of Congress or why didn't my senator just get that to the president? You know, they've given us the Senate, they've given us the House, and now they've given us the White House. It's our turn to get it done, and if not, uh, we should go home. Sean, it, it, Senator, I, I have the utmost respect for Senator McCain, but, but here's the point. We could actually do some of the things he wants to do if we first did what, what uh, Congressman Meadows just suggested pass the clean repeal, now you have an incentive for Democrats to actually be, maybe work with Republicans, and we could get some of those very things you just talked about, health savings accounts, the kind of medicine that, that the doctor in Wichita is doing. We have a, we have a doctor in Belfast, in Ohio, Dr. Kaufman, doing the exact same thing, making house calls to families, really focusing on health. So those, those innovative things that are going to save money, those could all happen, but we could, we could set up that bill where we're pushing those kind of things, we're getting those kind of things into the law that are going to help families, and the Democrats would have some things that they want to do. There may have to be some trading there, but first repeal it, then replace it with the kind of thing that's going to actually help, and you might be able to get that bipartisan agreement on something that's better, much better than what we currently have. And, Sean, one other thing. I, I want to give a shout-out to Jim Jordan because, you know, he's talking about doing the things that the people want to do. And I know we weren't really looking at, at talking about this today. But he's working very hard to say the American people deserve answers on things like Loretta Lynch and Comey and, and what was their coordination in the last election. You know, why why were we deceived? You know, the American people, they somehow we think that they'll forget but they don't forget. They just don't have any trust in us anymore. So Jim's working real hard on that issue. It's time we start to investigate the investigators. Well, I think that's all true, too. And you guys were the only ones to speak out about all of this different stuff. One of the things that I think that I'm most concerned about is, um, I guess, the deep state and the leaking. But I'm getting some feelings that there's going to be a major pushback in a major way. Yeah, we, we, well, we're, we're trying to, uh, in the Judiciary Committee today, um, push for a special counsel to look into the very things Mark was just mentioning, uh, Sean. I mean, think about this. The Attorney General of the United States instructed the FBI Director of the United States to go out and tell the American public something that was not true. And what was their motive for doing so? They wanted Hillary Clinton to be the next President of the United States. Loretta Lynch told Jim Comey, go tell the American people it's a matter, not an investigation. He willingly, knowingly did that, misled the American people in, the, in an election year, and, and we're not going to get to the bottom of all that. Even where, where, where are the congressional committees? Yeah. Why are the people that are subpoenaing Junior, Don Jr. and Jared, where, why aren't they subpoenaing all these people, all these and issues? And that's exactly what our amendments we're going to push for today in, in committee. We're going to offer those amendments. Uh, Congressman Gates has been, has been uh, great on this. He's going to lead the charge for a number of us uh, and today in, in, the, uh, in the Judiciary Committee. But those are the kind of answers the American people want to have. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, the other thing that drives Americans crazy is this idea that there's, there's supposed to be one standard. But what they see now is there's one set of rules for you and me and Congressman Meadows and regular folks around the country. But there's a different standard if your name is Clinton or Comey or Lynch. You can, you can mislead the American public and, and, and get away with that. The Justice Department of the United States should not be in the habit of misleading the American people. But that's exactly what they did. And you, you know what? We hear all about this. Uh, the Putin government involved. How about the Obama administration involved in the election? We, we saw stay, that. Last well, year. stay there. I want to pick up on that, the Ukrainian issue. I want to ask you both about, about more about Sessions and, and the problems the president has with them. And uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number as we continue 
with the Freedom Caucus chairman, Mark Meadows, the former chairman, Jim Jordan, North Carolina and Ohio, respectively. And we've got an event coming up soon for both of them. And uh, we're going to go to North Carolina and Ohio. You know why? Because I really respect the two people that actually keep their promises and, and do the job that they were elected to do. And there's not many of them in D.C. And God knows we need them. Right, as we continue, Jim Jordan, chairman of the Freedom Caucus, and uh, I'm sorry, the former chairman of the Freedom Caucus, and Mark Meadows. There was, I guess, I guess you were thrown out. I guess there was a coup d'état in the Freedom Caucus membership. <laughs> no, it was a, a baton passing that I'll gladly pass back to the gentleman from Ohio because he is extremely capable. You never wrestle him for anything, uh, and uh, it's you know it, it's a tag team. And actually, we need more people in Congress to be willing to fight on behalf. Of, uh, of the American people, Sean. We really do. So what is the idea next? I guess they get as much as they can here. They go with the skinny bill, and then that's it? Well, I think that uh, what they're hopeful for is that they do the skinny bill, but that will not go to the president because, I mean, honestly, he could have done that by uh, executive order, uh, at least two of the three things they're talking about. Then it would go to a conference committee, and, and I, I think that if it's going to go to a conference committee, that whoever those conferees are need to stay here and work on it and then call us back in August to vote on it and send it. You know, if we're having to wait until September to, to repeal and replace Obamacare, how long are we going to have to wait for the wall? How, how long, you know, how long do the American people have to wait for tax reform. I mean, they're tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting. Jim's tired of waiting. You're tired of waiting. It's it's time that we get it done. Yeah, I know. You know, and I think everybody that has been waiting seven years are looking at that. What do you guys think of Debbie Wasserman Schultz and her IT guy that she kept on board and the 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 beaten down and smashed up uh, hard drives in this guy's garage and him being arrested? Talk about yeah. Talk about something that needs to be investigated. How about how about the guy trying to flee the country, sending money to Pakistan? Still was an employee up, up until just a few days ago, I believe, uh, of the Democratic uh, conference. Holy cow! That that cries out for investigation. That might be something else we got to we got to do an amendment to, to 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 get that to happen. But yeah, we need we need to look at that issue for sure. Do we need to look at Ukrainian collusion as well, based on what we learned from Politico? And is it any different in your mind, uh, Congressman Meadows, from all the Russia hysteria? Well, I mean, here, here's the interesting thing is we've got foreign governments that, that want to influence us each and every day, Sean. And, I mean, it's not just Russia. It's China. It's everybody else. But here, here's the, the double standard. We know that there was obviously interactions with foreign entities with Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation and all that. And yet what happened, it was, the Democrats weren't there asking for a special counsel then. Uh, maybe they should join us in, in, in supporting Jim Jordan to, to get this special counsel to look at it. All right, I appreciate you both being here. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. When we come back, breaking news, unmasking, now to an unprecedented extent, and violations of civil liberties. We'll check in with John Solomon of The Hill. This is unbelievable and abusive and intrusive and probably illegal action that's being exposed. And we'll have an investigation by the Obama administration. Straight ahead. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. In the final hour of the Sean Hannity Show. I would assume that there is a process, a protocol under which the intelligence community goes through if they seek to unmask a U.S. person's name. 
That's correct. Have you ever requested that a U.S. person's name be unmasked? Yes, I have. Have you also uh, either approved or denied requests of others that a U.S. person's name be unmasked? I don't recall in my tenure at CIA any decision on unmasking for someone else coming up to my level. It would have been uh, – that decision would have been made at a uh, lower level within the agency. Are you aware of any requests within the community that were denied? I, I do not – I didn't have visibility into requests that were being made across the government, so uh, I, don't, I don't recall one uh, that uh, I was denied. Do you recall any U.S. ambassadors asking that names be unmasked? I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's ringing a vague bell, but I'm not. I could not answer with any confidence. Do you remember what your last day on the job was at the CIA? What was the date? It was noon on January 20th when I gave up my responsibility as director of CIA. On on either January 19th or up till noon on January the 20th, did you make any unmasking request? I do not believe I did. So you did not make any request on the last day that you were employed? No, I was not in the agency on the last day I was employed. Uh, I definitely know that on the last day I was employed, I definitely did not make such a request. All right, that was Trey Gowdy talking about the ever-important issue of unmasking of those citizens that, again, raw intelligence gathering by the government and then identifying their enemies. This is picked up in conversations as part of the, the general operated uh, procedures or general standard operating procedures of the intelligence community as it relates to their job to keep us safe. Okay, at, at times, different Americans are picked up in the course of their surveillance activities, but you're not supposed to unmask them. As a matter of fact, a process known as minimization is supposed to take place. And as part of that process of minimization, you're never supposed to identify the American that the foreign agent that is being surveilled is talking to. And that's why not only with the unmasking of General Flynn, but also the releasing of intelligence, well, that then becomes a violation of the Espionage Act. Now, we talked about a 350% increase in unmasking of Americans and surveillance issues during the time that Obama was president and a very specific increase during the election cycle in 2015 and 2016. That was broken by John Solomon and Sarah Carter. Well, John Solomon has a new piece out today that says our civil liberties were violated far more than we ever imagined it could have been. And that is his latest report as he writes for The Hill. John Solomon joins us now. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? All right, let's go into this. First, let's give a little history and background here because we saw an increase in unmasking of American citizens' names of oh, during the election cycle up to 350%? Yeah, I think yeah, that 350% refers to the number of times that intelligence people searched on an American's name. So three, uh, we saw a three-and-a-half-fold increase in the number of times uh, between 2013 and 2016 when U.S. intelligence agencies went in and searched on an American's name looking for an intercept, an email, some metadata. And that was a really remarkable growth. It caught a lot of people's attention as we were heading into the election. Uh, there is an assumption that they were doing that specifically to, to uh, find things that they would later unmask or learn about Americans. Unfortunately, we don't have enough data from 2013 to 2016 to know the rate of growth on, on, uh, on masking. But we definitely know there was a significant growth in searching on Americans' names, trying to mine information about Americans 
in foreign intelligence databases. Let's go to your article last night where you now say that during the Obama years, what? So so, uh, if you remember when we started all these discussions, everybody said, listen, there's nothing to worry about here. We only use intelligence for uh, for foreign purposes and right, right, right reasons. We have strict rules, and we, you know, we, we really comply with the rules. Here's what we learned yesterday. There have been thousands, multiple thousands, uh, civil liberty violations and other procedural violations by the NSA and FBI related to going in and looking at foreign intercepts, finding American information that, by the way, was gathered without a warrant. That's very important for people to remember. Warrantless spying and then misusing it in some way. Uh, the misuses could be they searched the database with an American's name. They weren't supposed to do it. They distributed throughout the intelligence community an unmasked identity of an American that should have been minimized, masked, should not have been distributed throughout the company. They've given the data to people who should not have seen it, American data given to third parties that were not entitled to get it. They stored data on servers about Americans that was not supposed to be stored. They should have been deleted. There were things that should have been deleted that weren't deleted and were available to the intelligence community. So a wide array of civil liberties violations. That makes this program, uh, you know, look a little more suspect to people who once supported it. I talked to Pete Hoekstra, the former intelligence chairman in the House. He said, I, I was a big supporter of this warrantless uh, spying program because I want to protect America. If I was in Congress today, I don't think I'd vote for it. That's the sort of thing that these revelations are now beginning to have on the political dialogue in Washington. Isn't this the type of thing that now is going to raise questions about whether the law stays in place? Absolutely. This law expires on December 31st of this year, and there is a very deep concern in the intelligence community that these powers will be reined back as a result of what they've learned. Now, the intelligence community will come back and say, listen, it's only 1% of all the intercepts we do. Uh, but I think Chairman Hoekstra said something really smart, which is when it comes to American privacy, 1% is not good enough. If I had a 1% error rate on my credit card, I'd be pretty mad. So I think people are beginning to look at this with a much more critical eye. We still want to be safe. Everybody values the great work our intelligence community does. But there clearly seems to be a growing consensus that some of these powers need to be reined in and better police than what we saw during the Obama years. Goes to the heart of what I've been trying to get across to my audience here is that, and and I have great faith in the, I really do, in in the intelligence community, but I'm also a believer in civil liberties, and you know, I believe in the, the the Constitution, for example. These are very basic, simple, fundamental principles that if we don't have them then we become a police state. In other words, if the tools that we're using to prevent evil from being perpetrated against American citizens and we hand these tools over to those people that bravely go out and fight this fight and and they're monitoring ISIS and they're monitoring bad characters or even monitoring people like the Ukrainians that obviously wanted to impact our elections like the Russians did, uh, I'm all for that. They're getting the Iranians on tape. I'm all for that. They're getting the Chinese on tape. I'm all for that. Vladimir, I want as much information as we can possibly gather on him, and I'm thankful that they have the tools and the ability to do it. But if that information is weaponized politically and they then start monitoring Americans and then they start unmasking the names of Americans and then they start leaking raw intelligence about Americans, well, then America does it not run a civil liberties risk of becoming a police state. Isn't that Bill Binney once told me, a former NSA whistleblower, that every email, every text, every phone call is metadata stored and that they could have access to all of us at any point in any time. Um, 
Is that something we have to now fear based on your article? Yeah, that's a big power. And I think you, you, you've hit something, uh, Sean, that I think is going to be the question that we're, this whole debate is going to turn on August and September. I think there are a couple things that are going to come out in the next few weeks. I'm reporting some things that I might be able to share with you soon. But I think political, let's look at the number of times political people were unmasked. Now we have a new threshold. For the, for the first part of this debate, when the masking first came out with Devin Nunez and the House Intelligence Committee, you remember people like Susan Rice and John Brennan saying, listen, there's nothing to worry about. These things only occurred for legitimate foreign reasons, and we never unmasked a name that uh, shouldn't have been unmasked, and we never leaked it, right? That was the two things. I think we're going to learn a couple things in the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to uh, – I have documented in the story yesterday that there were numerous instances – where an unmasking occurred that should not have occurred. Someone's name was distributed unmasked. It should not. So that puts a hole in the whole defense that we didn't misuse unmasking. Now there's going to be a second thing, which is who was unmasked and how many times a political person who was unmasked later shows up in a leak in a newspaper article. Uh, Senator Burr, the chairman of Senate Intelligence Committee, made an offhand remark Friday that I, it really caught my attention. He said, listen, for the first time we have some proof that unmaskings Unmasked materials later showed up in media leaks. I think that's going to be where this investigation goes. There are going to be some inappropriate unmaskings that are going to be revealed by the investigators, and there are going to be some political people who are then leaked. And I think that's going to become a very important part. Congress, keep an eye on Congress, too. I think. Aren't a lot of the things you're describing that you say you know that you you have absolute confirmation of all this and this is coming out? Aren't you describing felonies and violations of the Espionage Act? Don't people need to be prosecuted for what you're saying? There could be. There should be. That's a question that people much smarter than I and the law enforcement community will look at. These rules are very subtle. They have a lot of nuances and loopholes in them, as many people point out. But certainly the, the common core under underwriting all these laws are that we have an assumption to privacy. We don't get spied on as Americans without a warrant, except in very rare cases. And we don't have our names unmasked. And if any and all of that has been erased or eroded, there's a really great question for both who's going to be held accountable and how do we fix this to stop it so it doesn't keep going forward. And I think that's the debate that you're going to see from August to December of this year. Pretty unbelievable stuff. All right, John Solomon, now with The Hill. Uh, we really appreciate it. 800 941 if you want to be a part of the program. Hey. All right, let's get to our busy phones here. 800 941 as we continue. Sean Hannity's show, uh, the battle over health care, the battle over, of course, unmasking and leaking intelligence, the battle over Russia, Russia, the battle over scandals and the never-ending battles here in the D.C. swamp and sewer. Michelle is with us, North Carolina. What's up, Michelle? How are you? Glad you called. Thank you for taking my call. Um, You have mentioned several times that everything that's been going on, tying up the courts with this Russia nonsense, that even the Democrats now seem to know that there's nothing to it. And my my thought is, don't you think they're just trying to tie up the Justice Department in an effort to avoid the Clintons and the Obama administration being investigated? Because I'm convinced that so many people in Washington have been a part of all of their deception and their, um, you know, all of the lies and and stuff that corruption that has gone on. Do you remember, do you remember, remember I talked about David Brock and this meeting he had down in Florida with big donors and they left their strategy. I'll pull it up again, maybe tomorrow for the program, but they had this whole big strategy that they laid out and everything is designed to never make to never allow President Trump to be successful under any circumstances right. do they want this man successful. 
And all of those tactics are being employed. All You know, there's a reason, and I go into detail, maybe even perhaps not enough, enough detail, but when I say the deep state, I mean those few that are abusing the powers that we give them to keep us safe within the intelligence community. That That is probably the biggest danger the president faces. But, you know, my understanding is, is that what they have done is they have been able to collect metadata about the president, his campaign. This is why the whole issue of surveillance, unmasking, raw intelligence, who has access to it, those people that would use that raw intelligence, they, they have built a dossier on President Trump, and they have a lot of the information that they know they selectively want to leak at what they think is the appropriate, most beneficial political time possible. All of this information for them exists and so that is the biggest threat. Democrats are being fed this information. They, they want to impeach the president. Many of them just come on out and say it. They, they, has, they have no desire to do anything that's going to help the American people that they hurt with eight years of their abusive policies and starting with Obamacare. Then, then you've got a media that is colluding and corrupt. They went from the fawning coverage of Obama and Obamagasms and thrill up their legs to where they are now, which is a fixation in taking down a president. And then you got weak Republicans. And after weak Republicans, then you got never Trumpers. And, and when I all of them combined represent a nonstop daily attempt to prevent the president from getting success. I absolutely agree, but I think that when James Comey was let go, I think that invoked fear in the hearts of all of the liberals because I really do think that he was there and he'd proven that he was not an unbiased source. He he was proven that he was going to protect Hillary Clinton and the Obama administration. And once he was out, I think that that's what caused them to absolutely collapse and lose their minds because they realize, I mean, look at Debbie Washerman Schultz. What's going to happen with that when they look at her emails? Everybody is so connected. I mean, we even remember that um, Wiener had confidential information. You don't hear anything else about that. But it's, I just feel like there's so much, um, there's so much just just decisiveness and just um, just evil that's happening within that, that I think everybody's starting to panic because when Trump talks about cleaning out the swamp, he really means it. And I know that they're, I think they're covering their rear Listen, end. Listen, let me, let me tell you one thing else. on the other side of this. And I've had a lot of meetings since I've been here in Washington. But there is, there are strong forces now that support the president and that are rallying behind him. And as I said, the boomerang that is coming back the Democrats' way is going to be massive. And they have no idea how badly they have miscalculated on this. That's, that's my optimistic message for you today. But I got to take a break. We're in Washington, D.C. We are in the sewer, the swamp. 800-941-SHAWN is our toll-free telephone number. is broadcasting now on over 500 radio stations around the world. And now, here 
is Sean. These are not all the president's men. These are all of Sean Hannity's men. Jay Sekulow, who's now the face of the legal effort, and uh, uh, Scaramucci, who is a frequent face on Fox News, are two close friends. I understand that they are the kinds of faces and the kinds of fighters that Donald Trump wanted to infuse the image of his White House. All right, glad you're with us. As we continue 25 now before the top of the hour, that was Nicole Wallace. You may remember her from back uh, running the John McCain, Sarah Palin campaign, and, and she's not, in the end, a fan of of Governor Palin. Uh, uh, listen, Nicole, if you're out there, if you're listening, um, I wish, <laughs> what do you mean all of Sean Hannity's men? Is that not, Linda, why are you smiling so much? Well, why, because I know Jay and Jay's a guest on my show or... Anthony's a guest, and I've known Anthony. So God forbid you have friends with like-minded ideas. I mean, whoever thunk it, you know? You know, who would have ever thunk that I actually know people and people like me? Because I guess everybody over at, you know, NBC Fake News pretty much hates my guts. And Well, they all uh, hate each other, too, so don't get it twisted. (laughs) Which is probably the typical TV environment. You know, not everybody in media is as close as we all are. Correct. You know, or like our friends, like Jay Sekulow or Scaramucci or No, Sarah I was Carter. only mad at you on Monday this week because you started in on me at 8 a.m. in the morning. Well, yeah, I wanted you to have a really good show, and you did, didn't you? So you're welcome. Yeah. Okay, no, that's not exactly what happened. And the, i got to say one other thing about Linda. So I've been very busy here in, in the swamp since I've been here. Is it true or false? You, you, I think, are the only one that knows my complete schedule. Right? Yeah, it, it For, sucks. It's terrible. Okay. Well, no, it doesn't suck. I mean, it's busy. It's very, a lot of really, really productive things have happened that I am going to be able to share with this audience over a period of time that give me great optimism and hope that a lot of good things are are going to work out. Yeah, I'd say that's true. Okay. So on Friday when I was on TV, and I think I texted you either when I was on TV or just after I got off TV because I didn't know if you had heard the comment of Pat Buchanan. And he said, this reminds me of the final days of Watergate and the smell of blood is in the swamp's nostrils. Remember I texted you about that? Yeah, but I mean, Pat's, I actually reread it in text afterwards because I wanted to see the full transcript. So I, I, I got a feeling because, again, you, you get these feelings and, and there's a little ebb and flow, kind of like a campaign. You know how every election season I'll remind this audience, I'm telling you, you got to buckle up. It's going to be a rocky road and there's going to be ups and downs and they're going to be, you know, peaks and valleys. And you're going to think you got this thing all wrapped up. And then the next minute you're going to think it's all hope is gone. And you just you, you got to be ready for that emotional roller coaster. In that sense, I feel like it's the same emotional environment as one experiences during a campaign. You think that's a, a good analogy? Uh, yeah, I so, think so. So what I am saying and the, the headline I can give everybody is that, in my opinion, after having a very productive two days here in D.C., the best thing that I can tell this audience that I love, and I was one of the few people that said, hang in there. Yes, Donald Trump can win this election, and you can make this happen, and people did. And I've been now slowly but surely saying that, okay, the Democrats opened the door, and their obsession with Russia, well, that's now led to a narrative where, where we have at length been talking about Angela Chalupa. And her meeting at the Ukrainian embassy with the Ukrainian ambassador and how Politico reported the information she was funneling back to the DNC and to the Hillary Clinton campaign. And if it's bad for Russia to try and influence election, 
elections and Don Jr.'s 20-minute meeting was collusion, well, then all of those people, too, now need to be put under oath. But that's only the tip of the... That's only the tip of the spear, because then it now it boomerangs back into Uranium One. And I think Uranium One, at the end of the day, and Hillary Clinton, because it, it dealt with money, national security, where did the money really come from? There's so many different questions surrounding this, that now the Republicans, they've got the ability to go back and now begin to do to the Democrats what they're manufacturing against Donald Trump, his campaign. And the what the only thing I can say is every th- trap that they have now set is being exposed. Everything they have done will be scrutinized. Everything that they say is so terrible is going to come back to them on steroids and human growth hormone. And, you know, one of the reasons I love martial arts is that you, you often use people's power against them. If somebody's going to attack me one way, it it opens them up to 15 different shots by me. And and I'll often almost set them up to think they've got an opening and, and they'll take the shot. But what I'm really doing is setting myself up for 15 more shots. Um, you know how I love fighting analogies. Yes, so, I do. This has been a, a very productive couple of days, and uh, I, I'm, I'm leaving here where Friday Buchanan, frankly, sent me into a, a weekend where I spent a lot of time thinking and a lot of time wondering. And, and I'm not a warrior, so I don't use the term worry, but I spent time trying to— You're not a warrior. To... You're a warrior. Oh, isn't how, that— How nice? was that? Did everybody love that big, cheesy uh, little analogy? No, don't try it. Don't, don't— don't try. That was pretty funny. You got to give it to it me. Pretty it was, funny. You left it wide open. That was beautiful. This won't shock anybody on our team, and we are a pretty close team. But when Linda, when Linda wants something, she doesn't just tell you, you know, this is what I'd like done. She takes a bat, a hammer, and the equivalent of a nuclear weapon, and won't let you go to the point you're so aggravated that you're just like, I got it. Just shush. True or false? I would say I'm emphatic. I would say that's a very emphatic. Emphatic is, is emphatic is a very very mild diplomatic term. political word. That's why she's on your team. Let's no, be emphatic is doesn't even begin to touch the level of insanity. But of, but I use it for you as well. I get things done with that emphatic I know, but, emphasis but, for you. But you almost act like you're dealing with a child that has absolutely now, no... Now, Sean, do you really want to open that door? <laughs> do you want to do that? Well, you're not dealing with a child. <laughs> the fact that I have, you know, my set of responsibilities and, and you guys have yours is a very different, very, You've very... up the window. It's time to shut the blinds. Shut the blinds. Why, why are you joining? Oh, I know, because... Let me guess. Linda is there waving everybody and telling them what to say. And I do, would and because, never do that. Because every, no, because everybody sucks up to mom because they know dad is never going to get in there and yell at them. Never. You know, and I'm like the dad here. Too I'm busy. the one. I'm not going to yell at Jason ever. I'm not going to yell at Ethan ever. I'm then certainly never going to yell at Lauren. This MP3. Oh, yeah. You're always a peach. Now, one day Lauren is filling in for Linda and I'm like, oh. Can you just move? And she gets so upset like it was the end of the world. You don't want so to realize today. Why, did you have a bad day? No, no, I'm just saying, like, I don't want to rehash that day. 
unless that, you really want to get into it. Because to this one, day, I am annoyed with you for that. You're anno- To this day, you're still annoyed that I threw my hands up? I was like, let's go. Move, 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 move. That's what I said that day. We That's all I said. We were way ahead of schedule on what needed to be done. And when you're telling me to hurry when there's no need to hurry. And there's no need for me to run around like a chicken with its head cut off. Because we're on time. We're actually ahead of schedule. Calm down. Slow your roll. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. How about we move at the pace of Hannity? And how about we keep moving at Hannity's pace, considering well, it's the Sean Hannity show? That varies depending on the day. But... You know, that's, yeah, I know. But, you know, I'd like to remind everybody in there that even though you all suck up to Linda because your boss that's doesn't ever true. yell at no you. No one sucks up to me. They, you know what? Everybody in the room, they'll tell you that, but they're all lying because they all know that they suck up to you because they want you to like them. We all work for the Sean Hannity show here at the Sean Hannity show for Sean Hannity. All right, let's go to Matt in Brooklyn on the all-new AM710 WOR, the talk in New York. What's up? How are you, Matt? Hey, Sean. Great. How are you? I'm good. Um, What's happening? I've listened to all the news about Russia collusion, and I've followed the whole campaign, and there was Donald Trump had no support from the Republicans from the beginning almost to the very end until he finally won. And I feel that the Republicans aren't pushing the uh, collusion issue so much because I feel a lot of the Republicans were in on it just as much as the Democrats were because they did not want him to be there. He's not part of the establishment. He's not one of them. How do you feel about that? I think that, you know, we're now, I know for a fact, behind closed doors, people like Ben Sass, and in the past, I can say in the past, people like Senator McCain and Senator Lindsey Graham and guys like Jeff Flake and and a few others have openly trashed the president to their colleagues and that there's among some and that's why when I give the list of the the five threats to the president that's why I say the deep state that's why I say democrats that's why I say the media and that's why next on the list is republicans because there are some of them you know, do they want to be the party of freedom? Do they want to be the party of closed borders, secured borders? Do they want to be the party that keeps their promise, repeal, replace? Do they want to be the party of lower taxes, less regulation, energy independence, the party of national security? You know, they, they just can't get beyond the fact that he's not them and that he's not their cup of tea and he's not their style. You know, you heard, you know, John McCain telling people like me the other day, basically, and people on on radio and TV, just just shut the hell up. Turn him the hell off. You know, what did he, what's the actual I term that he used? I hope we can again rely on humility, on our need to cooperate, on our dependence on each other, to learn how to trust each other again, and by so doing better, serve the people who elected us. Stop listening to the bombastic loudmouths on the radio and television and the Internet. To hell with them. They don't want anything done for the public good. Our incapacity is their livelihood. To hell with them. Our incapacity is their livelihood. Don't blame your incapacity, your impotence, your inefficiency, your breaking promises on me for holding you accountable. And I just outline, I just reject the idea that we on radio and TV are not solution-oriented. And I can give verse and chapter on the penny plan to balance the budget, on supporting Kennedy, Reagan-like tax cuts to stimulate the economy, to get people back to work and buying homes and, and off of food stamps. You know, th- those are things that we talk about every day. You know, for since 2012, we've offered 
Dr. Josh Umber to the American people and the desire to duplicate healthcare cooperatives in this country. We've explained Musgrave and Goodman and health savings accounts. They're the ones that are, oh, we're going to be the party of let's take toilet paper and throw it up against the wall, even though we promised for seven years to repeal or replace health care. And we can't get our act together and even get a basic fundamental promise done because, as Pat Toomey said, well, we didn't know he was going to win. We weren't prepared for this moment. And here it is, you know, nearly a year later. That's not who I am on the radio and not the people that I know, love and respect on the radio or on cable TV. We've been offering solutions, talking about energy. We even we even partnered with energy companies to try and get Americans out of work back to work. That's a solution, Senator. And I noticed that when when he was running for president and when he runs for the Senate, he he wants to be on this show regularly. He wants as much airtime as he can get. So I guess, you know, he was the phony to us. And, Senator, why don't you call out the, 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 the very people you work with that made these promises? I didn't go out on a campaign trail and make a promise to the people in, in my state, in my district, that I'd do X, Y, and Z and then turn around and not do it. We try and our promise to this audience, I have fidelity to the principles that I stand for. 2014, you know, we laid out very concrete solutions, conservative solution caucus. And what they really don't like in all of this is they don't like at all in any way, shape, matter or form. They what they really don't like in all of this is they don't like that we hold them accountable and that we hold them accountable to their promises. You know, this, I'm watching the Senate with this, you know, let's pass a health care bill. We don't care what it is. Let's get it to conference any way, shape, matter, or form. Doesn't matter. Now, that's the type of thing that we do differently than other people in the media. Um, I didn't notice a lot of criticism about Obama's failure on health care. I didn't notice that any Democrat ever took responsibility. You know what? I know we told you we were going to that we were going to let you keep your plan and keep your doctor and that you're supposed to save money. And instead of saving twenty five hundred dollars per family per year, you know, I know we didn't tell you that um, and it didn't work out that way. We're sorry. And now I'm going to fix it because that's not what I wanted. And that's not what I promised. No, we have. Remember the, the guy giving the speech and he revealed we couldn't tell the American people the truth about Obamacare to get it passed. We had to lie. We couldn't call it a tax. When, in fact, we knew it was a tax. Couldn't say it's a mandate when we know it's a mandate. But, you know, frankly, the American people are stupid, he revealed. And I'm like, wow. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 10 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. All right, we will go over the issues involving the Senate, health care, what the future holds, how many votes are going forward. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, why did she keep on an IT guy that smashed up the hard drives that were owned by the government? What is it with the Democrats and smashing up devices, deleting emails, using bleach bit and more? Anthony Scaramucci, Newt Gingrich and more 10 Eastern Fox News.
Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they have supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Now, Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. Now, he was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Now, Tunnel to Towers paid for Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, and that removed that financial burden from him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his very specific needs and injuries. And Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. They can only do it with your generosity. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget. We hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity. Go to their website, commit to $11 a month. Go to the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now it comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to four hundred bucks depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now Henry makes more than two hundred rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N.